Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your promise that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, you will be with us in our midst. Father in heaven, may your name be lifted up. May your name be glorified this day by your people. For you inhabit the praises of your people, your word tells us, and we believe that. Bless the word as it goes forth. Uh, uh, Be the speaker. Be the one that directs us and inspires us. And just use this uh, vessel of clay to be the channel through which it comes. Open the hearts of all that I hear, especially those that are not converted, and uh, touch our hearts for even for those that are, that are your children, that we may be moved into a stronger relationship with thee, the living God, and doing your work and will while we are here on this earth and while we have the time. And we give you thanks as we ask your presence with us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. <coughs> For this text this morning, I have uh, chosen to stay with the same theme as camp. I know we've gone through a couple of sessions on this, one in the service last week and even at CFG, but uh, I think maybe we can stay in the spirit of camp as well and follow along. I'd like to turn to the same chapter that was alluded to on Wednesday and talked about and also last Sunday in uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. I'd like to read the whole chapter just to give some context to where Jesus comes in in the last few verses. Matthew 11 beginning at verse 1, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? What went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
And from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of God suffereth, suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto the children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither in eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a winebibber and a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. <clears throat> but I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. <clears throat> Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. May the Lord bless the reading of this chapter. Let's all bow before the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Loving Father in heaven, we come before your throne of grace this morning hour. We come empty. We come in need of being filled. We come, Lord, because where can we go when thou hast the words of eternal life? Lord, we thank thee that we have still life and breath to praise you yet another day, to worship you yet another day, to pray and seek supplication from thee, the living God. 
We come before thee asking for your blessing, asking for your wisdom, asking for your understanding. Because we are so weak and frail, and we often forget. As the songwriter says, remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Father in heaven, we're thankful that we can gather here together. And even those that are linked in on, on the internet, we pray that you would be with them and be their comfort and strength and helper. And that you would help us to worship thee in spirit and in truth. And this is what it really means that we don't have to all be in a building to do so, but it is good that we are to do so. That we come together as the psalmist of old did say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so we thank thee for this opportunity, the freedom that we do have. Help us to use the time because the, time, the days are evil. Help us to redeem the time. O oh Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher this morning and your Holy Spirit will touch each and every heart here. We also pray that he will touch the hearts of those that are not here, especially those that are shut in, those that do not even have access to the technology to be linked in from a remote place. We pray that you would be with them, the widows, the widowers, the fatherless, the lonely, the shut in, the isolated. Be with them, comfort and strengthen them, a Father in heaven. We pray for the sick, those that are suffering in the flesh, those that are in pain, those that feel perhaps that they have been abandoned, those that feel that there's no hope, there's no, nothing left. Oh Lord, we pray that you would be their comfort, that you would be their strength, that they would place their, hand, their lives into your hands and that they would rest knowing that you are the Father of lights and you care for them and love them. We pray that you'd be their healer, their comfort, their strength, and their uplifter. Father, we pray for the many destitute in various places, whether it's in Canada or in other countries that have lack of food, clothing, shelter, protection, that we would be your hands and feet, that we would go about as Jesus went about, ministering to those that were sick and hungry and thirsty and, and even raising the dead as we have read in this chapter. Help us to be used in the little ways that we can be, knowing that the time is short. Your word says that man will work until he can work no more and help us to work while it is yet day, for the night comes when man will not work again. Father, we pray for the government, as your word tells us, to lift up holy hands, to pray for those that are the powers that are ordained of you. Help us, O Lord, to honour them to the point that it does not in any way violate your will and your truth and your laws, but that we could be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave to Caesar what belonged to Caesar 
and render to God what belonged to him. Help us, Lord, to remember this and that we may be a light even to the kings of this world as the Apostle Paul was and brought many to conviction, yet perhaps not many to repentance because of the hardness of their hearts. Bless us now, Father. Be with us. Speak to us as we commend this day into your care and keeping. For we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have read the account of the prophet John the Baptist. Jesus calls him a prophet. He says of those that were born of women, there is no prophet that is greater than John the Baptist. And he was the fulfillment of the coming Elijah as prophesied in the book of Malachi that before the great and notable day of the Lord will come, Elijah will come and he'll come and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. He will restore the relationships that God intended for families. But not only so for bloodline families, but to bring them back to the living God. He would be the one that was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The one that went ahead, the herald that would herald in the good news that the Messiah is here. And he of a truth said, I am not he. I'm not even worthy to, to unloose the latchets of his shoes. But I'm the one that points to him, if I can paraphrase it. He pointed to Jesus Christ. And his life on earth was very short. If Jesus was short, John's was shorter. We know that there were six months separating the two. And as you follow through the word of God, uh, John was in prison. And those that remember the map of Israel, the prison that he was in is, is believed to be that of Machairus on the east side of the River Jordan, just above the Dead Sea, a desolate place, a place where there was a fortress of Herod. And because he <clears throat> told Herod that he wasn't allowed to take his brother Philip's wife, uh, his wife really resented that. And when it was um, given the chance at the birthday, he promised the daughter to give anything that she wanted. I think it was to the third of his kingdom. What did she choose? Based upon her mother's influence, she chose to have John the Baptist beheaded. So John the Baptist was isolated. He was quite lonely. And being lonely and perhaps a long time separated from Christ 
and has had, maybe hadn't seen him for a long, long time since he was baptized even. He's questioning, is this Christ or is it somebody else? Is he the Messiah or do we look for another? And I won't go into the motives or the rationale behind that, but he had doubts, just like many of us have doubts. He had questions. He wasn't denying it, but he had a, what we would say a questioning attitude, which is very wise at times, because there are many false Christs, Jesus said, would come. Many false Christs would come. You shall know them by their fruits. And he gave them, he gave John the, the Baptist the fruits. What fruits do you see? Go show John again these things which you do hear and see. You are my witnesses. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and most importantly, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Not only will their physical bodies be healed to those that Christ came in contact with, but their spiritual bodies will be healed, will be quickened, will be made alive. And then he said, and blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. The gospel is offensive. The gospel is very offensive. When you talk to people about the gospel, they get offended. Me, I need repentance. I've been good. I've done my dues. I haven't done anything really bad. All the works that we do, all the good that we do, if it's not in the name of God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, means very little or nothing. If we don't have that godly love for God, for Christ, for one another, the Apostle Paul says you can give your body to be burned. You can sell your, your goods and give it all the way to the poor, but it's but tinkling, clanging brass and tinkling cymbal. It means nothing unless it's done in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we attribute the power, we attribute the ability, we attribute the resources all to God, all to Christ, and we glorify him in doing so. <clears throat> and Jesus then questioned the crowds and said, what did you go into the wilderness to see? Those that have seen uh, the wilderness of Judea and have been there can see it was just, it's just devastated. It's just completely barren and completely, there's nothing that really grows there. First off, you go further up north, it's wonderful, it's lush, it's green. But in the wilderness of Judea, it's barren. But that's where he went preaching. That's where he went teaching. And when they heard about this man, they went to visit him. They went to see him. They went to the Jordan River. And as he preached, many were convicted and many were, were uh, <clears throat> confessing their sins in the Jordan, it says in Matthew chapter 3. 
And the Pharisees came also. They wanted to, to, to see him, to test him. And he says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, you generation of vipers? You generations of snakes. Who has warned you? Did you get convicted? Did God convict you or did you come for another reason? This is the, the, the double-minded man who's unstable in all his ways, pretending to come for a reason but actually comforting another reason, pretending this is what he wants but actually in his heart he wants this. And again, I must stress in the Beatitudes when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those that have an undivided heart, un, uh, 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 alloyed heart, not mixed with any impurities, just one will, one intent, and that is to please God. That's the pure in heart. What did you go out to see? Did you see uh, some really s smooth, um, well-dressed, eloquent speaker? He says, those that are that well-dressed are in king's houses. John the Baptist was not in the king's house. He lived in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. And he looked like Elijah the prophet, uh, a camel hair coat with a, with a leather belt. And he was out there abrading the Pharisees. He was out there speaking the harsh truth. Truth is harsh. For those that don't want to receive it. But he says, Behold, it is written of this man, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which will prepare the way before thee. Speaking of himself. He's speaking of himself. John the Baptist came to prepare the way for me. And this one always caught my attention. And I don't have a, you know, a hundred percent answer on this one. They could leave room for more. But it says, I say of John the Baptist, those that are born of women, there hath not raised, risen a greater than John the Baptist. So of all that have been born of women to this point, John the Baptist was the greatest. But then how do you reconcile it with the next one? Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Can, you, can we understand that? John the Baptist was the greatest born of women to that point. But he that is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. <clears throat> what that tells me is... This is still the beginnings of the New Testament. John the Baptist is claimed, is, is, is identified as a prophet, which we associate with the Old Testament usually. The one that came in the spirit of Elijah. He was still an Old Testament prophet. And he was prophesying the Messiah will come because the covenant had not yet been made. Jesus had not yet made a covenant in his blood. You read the book of Hebrews. It talks about the new covenant. 
The New Testament, that's what it means. The Testament is the same as a covenant. The New Testament was made in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he's saying those that are the least in the kingdom of God are greater than he. The way that I understand it, there could be some more to this, is that he that becomes a child of God through the new birth after the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We receive redemption through his blood, the scripture says. In Acts chapter 2, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What differentiates the one that is the least in the kingdom of God and John the Baptist? The possession of the Holy Spirit. The possession of God himself. You know, the Holy Spirit was with John the Baptist. He was full of the Holy Ghost. At his birth, he kicked in his mother's womb. But he wasn't in him. He wasn't residing in him. John the, uh, John, uh, the Apostle in John chapter 14, Jesus says, The Holy Spirit, if I don't go away, the Comforter, he will not come. But if I, can't, if I go away, he will come. The Holy Spirit, the Comfort, is with you now. But he's not in you yet. But shall be in you, he says. There's a differentiation there. There's a, there's a dividing line between the old and the new covenants. The Holy Spirit did not indwell the believers in the old covenant. The Holy Spirit moved them. The Holy Spirit did wonders through them. But he was not uh, abiding, if you will, intertwine with the spirit of the man in man. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. This is the one that we often sing about in. Uh, number 47 storm the kingdom and prevail who's supposed to storm the kingdom and prevail those that want to be a part of his kingdom it's not a passive thing it's not saying well some people say well I'm going to stay here until Jesus until God zaps me until he he uh, transform me I'm not going to do anything because it's predetermined and God is going to do it no he says, he that wants to come into the kingdom of God, suffer here means the kingdom of God is allowing or letting, inviting, if you will, violence. What kind of violence? Not physical violence. But an active pursuit, pursuit of Jesus Christ. I had that, I started studying this more and more because... I've been counseling with someone overseas and he says, I believe in Jesus. I believe he forgave me for my sin. But why do I have to confess my sin? Why do I have to get baptized? Nothing changes. Just because I confess my sin and go, or just because I get baptized, let's, he's gone past that point now, but just because I get baptized, what changes in me? How does 
getting baptised in water change me in any way? Well, it's not a matter of just checking off the things that we have done. I repented, I confessed, I did my restitutions, I did this, I did that. Now I can, now I can become a, a child of God. It is a far more um, deeper experience than that. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 16? You've probably heard it five or six times in the last five or six months. When Peter confessed Jesus and Jesus asked the disciples and then finally Peter, but whom say you that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How did you know this? Did someone tell you? Did you hear it on the sermon? Is it something that you had to do to be my follower? Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. A man has not revealed this to you. But my Father which is in heaven. It sort of ties in with a, few, with a verse down, down below. In, in verse 25 of this chapter it says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven, and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. God reveals to us who he is. When our heart is ready to receive it, he will not give us things that we cannot receive, that we cannot contain, that we cannot value. He will give us things when we storm the kingdom, when we desperately want that gift as someone storming a Bastille or storming the fortress or storming the gates, how badly do we want it? Is it just an add-on to our lives and say, I'm a Christian, now I can get married to a Christian? Or do we want Christ? Do we want to be a Christian or do we want Christ? Jesus said in the same chapter of 16, he says, he that follows me, because Peter revealed his heart a few verses down when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem now. I'm going to be betrayed into the, into the hands of the chief priests and, I'm going to be, and I'm, they're going to kill me. And, and Peter says, no, no, Lord, that's, that's not going to happen to you. I know better. I know better than that. This will not happen to you. What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are a trap to me. You are setting a trap. You're trying to set a trap for me to derail me from the cross. What do you think I came for? For hereunto have I come. For this reason have I come. And you say, this is not going to happen to you. You savor the things of men. And not the things of God. You prefer or, or go according to the teachings and the wisdom of man. And not the wisdom of God. So I go back to my friend and say. So you don't think you have to be baptized do you? Well. On what basis do you say that? 
On what basis you think it doesn't make sense? It's not logical because being baptized by water doesn't make any change to me. I then ask him, let me ask you a question. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Well, there was no answer. That's a question we can ask ourselves. He, he, someone cannot confess Jesus Christ, it says in the book of Corinthians, but by the Holy Spirit. We cannot confess truthfully, deeply, fervently, unless we have that Holy Spirit. You can say, I want, a, I want the benefits of the kingdom. I want the benefits of being a Christian. But do you want Jesus? Do you want Christ? If you want Christ, what did Christ tell us to do? You want to go according to your own understanding and, and make rationalize the things that you think you don't have to do? Or oh, you know better than Jesus now. You don't have to get baptized. When Jesus said, except a man, uh, if, if, if a man believes and is baptized, he shall be saved. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 16. If a man uh, is baptized, believes and is baptized, he shall be saved. Oh, but I know better. Better than Jesus. That's just one point. That's a big point. But what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> if any man will come after me, number one, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to come after him. Not stay home. Not say, I believe now, let me get on with my business. You must come after him. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a cost. This, your salvation is free, but there's going to be a cost to your commitment because it costs me everything, Jesus says. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's not a passive thing to be a disciple. It's an active thing. It's a willing to go to death for Jesus Christ. And Jesus talked about the, the great judgment that will come upon Capernaum because of their lack of repentance Woe unto thee, Chorazin, Bethsaida, if the mighty works were done in you that had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have long ago repented in sackcloth and ashes. And thou, Capernaum, which have exalted yourself unto heaven, pride, you have been so proud, you've exalted yourself to heaven, you'll be brought and thrust down to hell, because if the mighty works had been done in thee that has been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. They saw so many miracles, so many words of truth that came that they, they resisted. And in that context, 
Jesus said, I thank thee, O Father. I thank you, Lord, of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Just go six chapters down in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus said, unless you become a little child and be converted, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. You've got to become as a little child. A little child in teachability, a little child in humility, not like Capernaum, not like the Pharisees in their pride, in their own understanding. A little child in, in meekness, because only the teachable that take Jesus at his word and not think that you know better than Jesus, that you know better. Oh, that does, doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do it. And it says that God revealed this to the babes because it seemed good in his sight. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. God does things completely opposite to human nature, to human understanding, to human wisdom. What makes sense to humans doesn't make sense at all to God because that's not the condition of salvation. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Father but the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. You see, Jesus, God the, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're one being. They're intertwined. There are three persons in one being of deity, the Godhood or the Godhead. And they know each other intimately. They've known each other from eternity past intimately. They know each other. Jesus knows everything that God wants him to do. And yet within that trinity, within that triune God, there is this order of, of authority. And Jesus always looked to the Father and gave to the people what the Father told him to do. Now when that happens... The, Jesus was the creator of the world, Hebrews 1 says, and John chapter 1 says. He was the creator of the world. He made man. And now man is telling Jesus, Jesus, you don't really know. You really don't know me. Or you don't really understand that we don't have to do this. Can you imagine that? I think it's Isaiah that says, shall the, shall, the, shall the clay say to the potter, why are you making me thus? Why did you make me this way? Do you know what you're doing, potter? This inanimate clay? That's how we are. We're often telling the master, the potter, you're doing it wrong. And guess what? Jesus knows the Father intimately so much that he will reveal those that long to be in his kingdom to the Father 
or to reveal the Father to them. You just can't come and take it passively. You have to be prepared, your heart has to be prepared to receive that gift, salvation. And then Jesus Christ will reveal you to the Father. None that come to me will I turn away, he says. I will in no way turn away those that come to me, Jesus says. But they're the ones that come to him in sincerity, not like the Pharisees that came to John the Baptist in hypocrisy. That he turned away and says, you generation of vipers who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And then Jesus says, he ends up the chapter and says, come unto me. Come unto me. He's inviting. He sounded very harsh, didn't he? In the preceding verses when he talked about the judgment upon Capernaum and and Bethsaida and, and Chorazin. Upon Sodom. But now he turns to those that do want to hear him. And says, come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. This is Jesus. Come. In a very gentle way, he says, come unto me. I know who you are. I know the difficulties you're going through. I know you've got your burdens. I know you've got your hardships. I know you have your... your tribulations. I know you feel guilt. Come to me and I will give you rest. Can you think of some people, I started thinking about this this morning, who were some of these people in the New Testament that came to Jesus? Nicodemus, remember? Nicodemus came to Jesus. And you would think he was a very proper person. He was a Pharisee. He was on the council. You would think that he had it made. He he knew God. But Nicodemus got convicted. He he saw how things went in the in the in the uh, council of seventy plus one. He could. Throughout their proceedings and experiences, you can see something doesn't seem right. But what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is doing seems right. He says, we know, Master Rabbi, you, are, you, <clears throat> you have come from God. Because no man can do the things that you do, and, and I can add, say the things that you say, unless God be with him. And I'm sure Nicodemus was tired of the yoke of the law, the way it was imposed upon them. If you look at the, the, the book of Acts, remember when, when the people came to the apostles in Jerusalem and there were some saying that you can't be saved unless you keep the law of Moses and circumcise your children too. What did Peter and James say to them? They said, brethren, look at what it's done to us. 
They put this, let me read it, they put this law upon our shoulders which neither they nor their fathers could bear. This, this was a, a big, if you will, move on the part of the apostles in the book of Acts chapter 15. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider the matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Remember what happened with Cornelius, the Gentile, the centurion, God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between them and us, the Jews, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God? Why are you tempting God when God had initiated this salvation to the Gentiles the way he did? Which neither... And, and put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. We have been freed from slavery to the law. The law, the letter of the law, which killeth, 2 Corinthians 3 says. The letter kills, the spirit gives life. When Jesus was saying this, he knew that the, the, this, this yoke of the law was upon them because he said in Matthew chapter 23 to the Pharisees you put upon their necks their shoulders burdens that they cannot carry and then you won't even lift them with one finger this burden of the law this constant routine of just doing doing and doing with not the heart involved not no heart in it your lips are, are close to me, but your heart is far from me, God says to them. He released them. He took the burden of the law from, from them and replaced it with grace. That you don't earn your salvation. You don't inherit your salvation. You can't say, I'm oh, my father Abraham, or oh, my father is Abraham. Jesus said, God is able of these stones to make children unto Abraham. He took away the power of sin. There was a story of, um, and I read a long time ago, I refreshed myself about Augustine. He was a 4th century, 5th century early church father, but he lived a very promiscuous life as a youngster. He would go through so much filthy activities. And his, his, his dear mother, Monica, her name was, wept for him, wept for him, constantly wept for him and prayed for him. And then finally he heard a voice on the other side of the fence of, pick up and read, pick up and read. And he read from the, was it the book of Romans? I'm not sure, was that Luther? But he read. And when he read, 
His heart changed. And he changed from this, this person who was seeking uh, fulfillment and meaning to life in, in cults, the Manichaean cults and other places. And he didn't find that fulfillment. And he became such a, a burden to him, such a, such a, a, a guilt to him. Finally, he got the answer by reading the gospel. And he was one of the most prolific writers in the early church. Jesus frees us from the guilt of sin, from the power of sin. He frees us from the world. He takes off the burden that we think that the more things that we can have, the more toys, the more money, the more opportunities, the more we can have freedom. But it becomes a, a weight to us, it becomes a burden to us. And Paul writes, well, maybe it wasn't Paul, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, laying aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us, that we should grab onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Weight and sin that easily besets us, we are completely surrounded by it. It becomes a burden to us. The conscience is one of the most powerful entities in our body. People take their lives because they can't live with their conscience. Jesus can unburden us from that. If you're laboring and are heavy laden, he said, I'll give you rest. And it was Augustine actually that, that made the quote, that God, we were created for you, by you. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Probably speaking from his own experience. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. What does it mean? Yoke, we heard about it on Wednesday night. The yoke is that piece of equipment that teams up two oxen and two horses and they pull together in the same direction. But when we're yoked with the world, as 2 Corinthians 6 says, he says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? They're going to give you grief. Don't up, Christian, don't open up a, a business with other unbelievers. You may be looking... For big problems down the road. Not guaranteed, but it could happen because they have a different mindset. He said, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, but we need to be yoked with Jesus Christ because he says, My burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I looked up that word easy. What does it mean? It means pleasant. I have a yoke that is not a grief for you. It's pleasant for you. When you team up with me, I will do the carrying. Just follow me. Just go with me. I'll show you where to go. I'll pull most of the way. You've got to do something too. You've got to respond. But my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Can you imagine Jesus saying that? First of all, you've got to learn of me. It's not a passive thing. You've got to storm the kingdom. You've got to seek the scriptures, whether these things be so, like the Ethiopian eunuch that was on his way back to Ethiopia. And, and the spirit tells, <clears throat> tells Stephen to catch up with that chariot. And when he caught up with the chariot, he says, do you know what you're reading? He said, how can I know what I'm reading if I don't, no one explains to me what I'm reading? Isaiah chapter 53. And he explained in the scriptures. And after explaining in the scriptures, he said, here's water. What hinders me to be baptized? And he did. He said, if you believe, he said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. He baptized him. You've got to learn of him. What is we have to learn? We've got to learn to be gentle. We've got to learn to be meek. We've got to be teachable. We've got to learn to be lowly in heart. Beatitudes. Chapter, first, first Beatitude. The blessed are those that are poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was just looking at verse 7, which I'd like to read in, clo in closing, which sort of speaks to what we've talked about today. We bring our prayer to thee, O Lord, in mercy hear it, and now impart to them rich measure of thy spirit, who now have entered in the household of thy grace. Keep them from Satan's yoke. Grant them in heaven a place. This is the promise that God gives to all that believe on him, that accept his truth, that accept his blood of his son on the cross. And this is my desire and all of our desires for those that do not yet know him, as the Lord and Saviour, that they would do so. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.